Welcome to My Therapist is Out, an open space therapy collective podcast. We are your hub for queer and trans mental health care. Each episode, we talk with one of our open space therapists or LGBTQ community member about mental health and building community. I am your host, Renee Johnson, they, them. Founder of Open Space Therapy Collective, I'm a licensed therapist and an art therapist. I specialize in working with queer artists who are exploring their gender identity and recovering from complex trauma. Today we are talking with Mikey White, he, they. Mikey is a psych NP and does medication consultation with OSTC. Mikey specializes in working with queer and trans folks 16 and As we dive in today's topic, please keep in mind that this is a mental health podcast. We will talk about sensitive and difficult issues that are not appropriate for all audiences. Please take care while listening. Hi, welcome to My Therapist is Out, an open space therapy collective podcast. We are so lucky to have Mikey Whited, Psych MP, back with us again today. Hello. After our last episode, which had a um, really great response. That's awesome. Yeah. Um. I'm looking forward to doing the next episode and kind of tackling the next set of topics. Yeah. So this one's a little, we were talking before, we're talking about mood stabilizers today. And this one's a little more tricky than SSRIs. And I'm going to let you kind of give the entry into why. So the reason is, so SSRIs is a class of medications, like a specific type. And that means like SSRI refers to how the medication works. Mood stabilizer refers to what the medication does and therefore there's a bunch of different types of medication that people put in that category. Also technically because you are stabilizing a mood the SSRIs are mood stabilizers they're just mostly used to stabilize and lift up your mood Mm -hmm. and bring down your anxiety which are both things that are part of stabilizing someone's mood but it's not necessarily like what people call when you say I'm when you say someone's taking a mood stabilizer Usually those are referred to as your antidepressant. However, they are stabilizing your mood. But the difference is if you're somebody who has more of a bipolar style brain chemistry, that just an antidepressant alone sometimes pushes people up too far into Mm -hmm. what we call mania or hypomania, Mm -hmm. which is feeling good, but feeling far too good. And basically your engine's running way too fast. And in manic states and hypomanic states, people will take on too much work, not sleep enough, or sometimes at all, not eat enough, or sometimes at all, um, make a lot of really impulsive decisions. Like sometimes people will, you know, leave for work in the morning and come back with a new car because that at the moment seemed right. And that's what we like. Those are kind of hallmarks Mm -hmm. of like kind of the way we are in the manic phase of things. and at far extreme end, that's when people start having hallucinations and stuff. And But that's, again, not the most common, mm-hmm. um, which is why generally people will start, most people that end up on taking a mood stabilizer have already taken SSRIs or something and failed that. And it didn't work. Their brain didn't, it like, or like it might have actually sent them into a manic episode or just not felt like it worked right. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's where you have this discussion we have provided, like, hey, this... We just tried all three of these antidepressants and they didn't work or they did this, like weird things happened when I took them. Maybe we should try something a different route because mm-hmm. there's also what we call bipolar depression, which is having more of a bipolar brain chemistry and style of kind of your mood episodes, but you don't have that manic stuff. Mm-hmm. And you know, a lot of people, it's, uh, there's ads on TV talking about bipolar depression now, but no one seems to know 
I mean, it's a TV ad. No one's explaining what that means. Yeah. So it's basically like bipolar without the super fun part. Yeah. Um, it's just like, oh no, I just have intermittent depression for no apparent reason, yeah. severely, and I don't respond to the other meds. Yeah, and I think that's a good thing to kind of piggyback on our last episode about SSRIs is there's no right or wrong med for anybody. You've got to try different things, and if a med doesn't feel good, work with your provider to try different meds. Right, or like, you know, maybe there's something that you do like about it, but there's a side effect you don't like, and that can be worked with. Like, sometimes, like we talked about, like sexual dysfunction with SSRIs, sometimes we add a little bit of Wellbutrin or a little bit of a different thing, and the sexual functioning comes back. Mm -hmm. And then we've got the effect we liked and not the, si and the and we don't have the side effect we didn't mm -hmm. like. Sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. So it's really a lot, it has a lot to do with having a good trusting relationship with your provider and being able to come to them and, and we can't help on the provider side, you can't help what you don't know about mm -hmm. and sometimes people feel really ashamed that something didn't work and like they're gonna let the provider down. We don't care. <laughs> If it, mm -hmm. we don't care what it was that worked, we mm -hmm. care if it worked. Yeah. Like that's really where we're coming from. And so like, you know, I don't care which company or what med it was that made you feel okay and able to function. Mm -hmm. I care that you are. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's kind of the thing there. Um, and I think that's really important because we'll have a lot of clients that are like, well, I tried this med, I didn't like it for, it didn't do what I wanted to do, it was a side effect, whatever it was. But then we find that they're not going back to their uh, psych provider because they're worried about being judged. They think, well, this medication didn't work, so none of them are going to work. Mm -hmm. They don't, like, they're inexperienced in working with psych providers, so they don't know how to explain what's happening. And so a lot of times with um, their therapist will help give them language. Like, mm -hmm. this is what I'm hearing you say. Does that feel right? This is what a psych provider will understand if you explain it like this. Right, and I've also talked to a lot of people about this in the past, and like, you don't like the term, or like sometimes I'm like I'm working with somebody and they really are triggered by certain terms that I'm mm -hmm. using, so we'll try and find different ones. Like, yep. I will, I had some people that like really do not like be caught, like manic depressive is a really bad uh, taste in their mouth, so just bipolar, but we can talk about high energy versus low energy states. Mm -hmm. That's also fine. It depends on what, what, what you're comfortable using, what language you use. The provider should be mirroring, mm -hmm. but sometimes also people are using terms that are more, they make sense in their own experience in their world that don't line up with the medicalese that we speak. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, you can like, here's like an easy example. Someone's like, you know, I just don't feel right and I can't settle and like blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I think you feel agitated. And they're like, no, I feel like I drank too much coffee, but I didn't have any today. Mm -hmm. That's agitated for us. For you, it's I feel wigged out and I'm too much, had too much coffee and I feel tweaky. Mm -hmm. Now that term is not what we're going to write down, mm -hmm. but it, you see what I mean? Like it has to do with that kind of stuff. So we're definitely working with your therapist can help give you the language that will make it easier to have that conversation with the provider. Also, a lot of the providers, I mean, you're probably not gonna have a super long visit with them. Mm -hmm. So if you have, you know, 30 minutes in which to describe stuff, and you can come in with this set of words that they understand, and they're like, mm -hmm. oh, okay, so if you're experiencing that, then I would recommend going this way, mm -hmm. that could be very helpful. Yeah. So it really has to do with um, kind of the relationship, and also, you know, if you have a therapist that you're working with, ask, tell them what's going on, and they will be able to help, be like, hey, I wanna know, when I talk to my provider, what would you, what, how would you recommend I talk about this? Because mm -hmm. it may be, it may just speed things up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know even from my own experience, when I'm like 
in a place, I have a hard time putting language to it. And that's a fun, like, dyslexic prize. Um, and so, like, talking with other professionals and being like, what what is happening and diving deeper into it, or even talking to my partner or friends, being like, what are you seeing me experiencing? Or what are you hearing that I'm saying will help. And then I will write it down and go in and be like, this is what's happening. Because mm-hmm. when I sit with a provider and I'm not doing great, um, I lose a lot of that language. Yeah, I mean, there's that depression brain fog or whatever you want to call it, um, ADHD fun bag. Mm-hmm. Who knows what today is going to be <laughs> like. Um, so, um, so how, how, let me back up. What are some examples or names of mood stabilizers that people would recognize? I was going to say, so like other than that broad term of like everything could be a mood stabilizer if you want it to be. Um, So I'm going to go through a couple of medications. We're going to talk through them. And almost none of them are actually... So lithium is a mood stabilizer. It's one of the ones we all know about. It's got a real bad rap because people have had it forever and there's there's bad stuff. Lithium is a great medication. It's the only med we have that has clinical data that is shown to reduce rates of suicide. That's huge. It's a big deal. Huge. Now, it's a bitch to be on. It's horrible. Because, well, it's not horrible, but like, you know, you have to take it two to three times a day. Mm-hmm. You need to, it's a, it's a naturally occurring salt. So like, you know, you're gonna need to keep con- a pretty regular nutrition, hydration. If you have running a marathon, you need to factor in that you're going to be sweating out more of it than we need to. You know, there's that kind of stuff, but also it works. Mm-hmm. Um, other ones you'll hear about is uh, valproic acid, also called Depakote, Depakine, um, Lamotrigine, brand name is Lamictal. I really like that one. Um, there's um, Tegretol, Ovals Carbamazepine. Uh, I don't use that one as much because a lot of the interactions, but um, the big ones you'll hear is usually the Lithium, Depakote, Lamotrigine, um, Tegretol, um, I think those are kind of the bigger ones you'll yeah. hear a lot. And again, Depakote and Lamotrigine, technically anticonvulsants. Hmm. They were, they regulate, they kind of regulate the calcium channels, which is how your brain sends signals down neurons. Hmm. So it kind of helps. Well, a way I describe it to people is certain ones like Lamotrigine, we call it stabilizes from the bottom. So one way I've heard it described, like kind of lifts up your mood without pushing you into mania because mm-hmm. it's still um, also what aren't mood stabilizers, but these days we use m- more of as mood stabilizers are newer antipsychotics. They're technically in the antipsychotic, atypical antipsychotic family, mm. but they do a lot of, they, they tend to work really well with mood. Like um, Abilify is one of the means we, all, we use a lot for people that are having like bipolar symptoms, like mania, Abilify works great. Um, when somebody's really manic, we'll give them a high dose of more sedating antipsychotic to bring them down real fast. So then we can have a conversation with them about where we want to go next. But you can't have a conversation with somebody who's been, hasn't slept in three nights. Yeah. Like they're just not there anymore. So that, so there's many things that kind of do that job. Mm-hmm. Very few are technically like, you know, um, I don't know I'm just escaping my brain right now, but um, there's a couple, like a lot of them are, are more anti-convulsive medications mm-hmm. that also, you know, sometimes someone's been having a seizures and they're like, well, I would take this for a while. And I feel a lot better. <laughs> um, like, I've just kind of seemed more, you know, mm-hmm. consistent. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, maybe we, there was some mood stabilizing stuff that was good. Or like, I use Lamotrigine sometimes for people that are um, more, have more borderline personality traits. Mm-hmm. It's not FDA approved for that, but it does tend to kind of bring the mood from these crazy ranges down to a more, mm-hmm. 
uh, tolerable range where then where it was before the medication. So it, it, you know, like there's a lot of things that go into that basket that aren't necessarily just that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what you'll kind of when you talk more about mental health medications. Like I said, like we talked last time about SSRIs, they're for antidepressants, but they work really well for anxiety. Yeah. So you know, there's a lot of these kind of misnomers out there, and also the surprise. We don't know how the brain works, so like. We don't exactly know how lithium works. We know it works. Mm-hmm. And also we know that there's a lot of potential side effects. There's a, lot, there's a high risk for toxicity and like having levels of lithium go too high in your system. Like um, Depico and lithium both at the beginning, you had to do labs on a really regular basis. So I don't always use those for people that are struggling with maintaining housing or struggling with like food insecurity. Mm-hmm. These are not great meds for you because you can't, you don't have access to the things that will it's harder to make these appointments if you're already like, I'm just looking for somewhere to like stay tonight. I don't have time to go to the lab appointments and then someone's gonna have to stop the med and you have to restart and whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of how that piece, uh, like it's, it's hard, it, it's easy to think about a lot of things as mood stabilizers, but the things we call mood stabilizers, a lot of times will, when you look it up, they're like, this is for seizures. Yeah. Um, and I think, like with medication in general, not just mental health meds, like they get developed and then it's like, okay, great. It works to lower blood pressure and it does all of these other things. That's interesting. And so it's not always like we need something for depression and then you create something for depression. Yeah. If we understood that we could make much more effective and accurate drugs, yeah. but we don't know, we don't know the finite interworkings of your brain I mean we know more about your brain but then how does your mind work mm-hmm. though that kind of whole thing mm-hmm. there's that piece so um, there's a lot in the category but a lot of different different ways to get there does that make sense yeah um, what do you see about people's functionality for mood stabilizers because the when you're working with a bipolar type system um, that can quickly push you out of being able to keep your job, keep your relationships, keep your housing, all of those things. So a lot of what we'll see and a lot of what the things that I work with my patients that are have more bipolar style brain chemistries is a lot of it in, so there's the medication piece and with stabilizers you'll just see often people like feel over sedated at first but they might have been living in kind of a hypomanic state and they're like I never used to have to sleep more than four hours a night before, mm-hmm. but also they were starting a lot of projects they couldn't finish, they were screening things at work, and like, they're like, maybe I don't do 19 things every day now, but I get my eight done, mm-hmm. and I get eight hours of sleep, sometimes you, and also sometimes you overshoot, and sometimes they're like, okay, this is too much. Um, and unlike SSRIs, um, and we can do blood levels in those, we just don't usually, we do blood levels on a lot of these medications. So we can tell you, like, you are at, like, the amount in your system is where we want it to be. Mm-hmm. If it's not working, we can say this med doesn't work for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, when you see it's working, a lot of times people just, like I said, they just kind of feel more even keeled, um, no big highs and lows. Certain ones we use for different styles of bipolar, because there's, like, you know, typical, what we call typical bipolar, which is, not typical, mm-hmm. um, but um, there's also rapid cycling bipolar, which use different meds for people that are like not having a full manic episode, but you can watch them in like a three hour period, have a manic episode and go down depressive and come back up. And that's that's where certain meds are better. Mm-hmm. And so this is again, like um, talking through that 
and also talking to your provider about what their thought process is about why they're recommending what they're recommending can be really useful to be like, okay, like, you know, okay, see what we're, we're focusing on. And then also it's easier for you to come in and tell your provider, like, that worked for what we wanted it to do, or it didn't work for that. It did this thing. Mm-hmm. We should talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, also, a lot of the SSRIs I had talked about before when I was talking about they're easier to be on. These are a lot of them. Some of them are easy, like lamotrigine, you don't have to do labs, but a lot of them, this we're getting into the range of meds that have more stuff associated with being on them, but also have people that are just like, wow, this is life-saving. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, like we use a lot of antipsychotics now in that, not for psychosis, but for mood stabilizing things. And like, um, I had one patient, she was all over the place trying to take the other things. We tried a high dose, or we'll try an injectable version, which means you only take it once a month, mm-hmm. of an, an atypical antipsychotic. Stabilized her mood, no more bipolar issues, just radically was like, I just got, I like was a musician, mm-hmm. completed an album. Mm-hmm. Because I like didn't lose my shit all the time, mm-hmm. or like other other people have talked to, they're like, yeah, um, I am not going to be able to make it work today because I am back to where I was three years ago because I ran out of meds for the last three weeks, I didn't get the refilled, and I am now, you know, incredibly anxious and or angry at everybody. Like there's a lot of different ways these things manifest, or like sometimes like my depression is now back and I cannot shower. Um, so you know, when you're looking at like the effect of these things there's a middle range and also a moving target. Mm-hmm. And that's something I really wanted to like emphasize with this this versus other kinds of medications, especially because now these are for more people that have a, a bipolar style brain chemistry. So it's going up and down. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes people will be on a mood stabilizer over the summer to kind of stop them from going manic. But in the winter, when they tend to get more depressed, they'll be on an antidepressant, and that mm. tends to work. But you you work with your also having support systems is very important. So like you work with your, you know, intimate partners, family, whatever who's around you, your support network, and your provider to be like, okay, like I may not believe this, but the person I live with told me to tell you that this happened. I was like, oh yeah, that I'm glad you told me. That doesn't sound like where you've been the last six months, mm-hmm. so let's talk about it. And a lot of it has to do with like baseline monitoring, mm-hmm. and people around you will notice when things are off. Mm-hmm. And so that's a really good resource mm-hmm. for this kind of, especially with mood stabilizers. Like, you know, if you're like, my husband is very upset with me now, and um, I understand why. I don't know why I did that, but I did it, mm-hmm. and I need, you know, like you can tell something's off. Yeah. Um, so, um, that moving target piece is really interesting, and especially like because these medications can be more difficult to to take and, and manage, and to know that like it's not just okay, great, I get this amount of milligrams of this thing, and then it's fine forever. It's with mood stuff, I think, especially you gotta pay attention to it because it's not going to be consistent all the time. And also life happens. And this is something else to talk about with people. It's like, yeah, we've managed bipolar. That's great. You still have X, Y, and Z stressors in your life. And people, mm-hmm. in general, humans experiencing these things will have feelings. And we don't want, you're, you aren't going to have no feelings. Mm-hmm. You're not just going to feel great all the time. Mm-hmm. That's not human. Yeah. Humans don't feel great all the time. So also this is something that I think, especially not, not as always as much in my area but more in the therapist area mm-hmm. is really your therapist to be able to walk you through like that was a normal 
emotion in a normal range of mood for that thing happening, this feels very typical and explainable and understandable that you feel this way because of this. Mm -hmm. Whereas like with, you know, a depressive episode with bipolar sometimes is like, I'm having a great day. Why am I crying? Mm -hmm. Like everything in my life is going wonderfully. Why am I unable to get out of bed and sobbing? Mm -hmm. That's something, the brain comes, something's off and it's detached from other things. And that is kind of for me, like a lot of hallmark of like more bipolar style things mm -hmm. is like, well, this happened and things can trigger a manic episode, trigger a depressive episode. But also sometimes you're like, well, this just showed up out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, I feel like there's an elephant on my head today. What happened? Mm -hmm. Like, I slept well last, what is going on? Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, mm -hmm. it's that kind of stuff and figuring out what your baseline is and what is normal for you is very important. That, yeah, I think that's really a good way to explain it. And I think anger, you mentioned this earlier, but anger also just kind of popping up out of nowhere or having big anger for things that may be kind of small is another really great thing to, to track. Right, I mean, and the, also that happens, that happens where like, that also happens with people that are struggling with borderline. Um, uh, there's also happens in, with uh, neurodivergent people. Like, there's lots of different things. That's why like, it's always very important to talk through it and give it like, you know, we can name it, but do we name it right? Mm -hmm. And like going back and like, you know, it's um, one of those things like there's only 1% of people that have bipolar and borderline. And this is something that your patients probably won't know a lot about. But like for me, it's almost like, con like a constant struggle is like when I first meet somebody, I'm like, is this one, the other? Mm -hmm. It's very rarely both, mm -hmm. can be both. That's why there's like um, this, I was, before we recorded this reward, you're like, you're gonna get a lot of it depends answers from me today <laughs> because we're now getting into that, the more, the higher level of like what behind the curtain and hopefully there isn't a curtain, but like what the thought process of your provider is, is like, hey, like you could tell me these things and I'm feeling like maybe it's this, but I'm also not ruling out it's not this. Mm -hmm. And so like we are gonna work together and figure this out. Mm -hmm. um, and it's frustrating mm -hmm. a lot, especially when you're first beginning care and you're like, I don't know, I, I, did we pick the right name? Like, yeah. you know, it's, uh, especially in this department is where the, like it's a lot of gray areas mm -hmm. and picking what works for you. Cause you know, like I said, there's certain meds that'll work better. And some people don't, with other on like have bipolar brain chemistry, um, don't need a mood stabilizer in what, what we classically would call them. They get an atypical antipsychotic, which functions as a mood stabilizer because it has mm -hmm. serotonin regulating effects. Mm -hmm. And also, we don't have an injectable form pretty much of our mood stabilizers, but we do have the antipsychotics, mm -hmm. and they're great. Mm -hmm. That we we are big fan of those mm -hmm. um, because they're easier to be on. Doesn't have to make a lot of things, but. It's also just nice to have like you want like you see your doctor your provider usually like once a month get a shot once a month i used to line up people like hey you see me i give you a shot we go on with our lives right <laughs> cool cool like you know yeah. um yeah and maybe we'll do we'll do some antipsychotic stuff in the next one because mm -hmm. i think there's they those especially have such stigma to them that isn't needed. It is not needed. It is warranted, and this is the thing is, you do need to get your labs done, because yeah. they can have serious side effects, and this is something that like, I don't, I don't want to take it lightly, that these meds are life-saving, but they can also be life-ending, mm -hmm. and like that's something I don't want to scare people about. 99% mm -hmm. of the time, we, we don't start you with doses that are threatening your life, mm -hmm. ever, mm -hmm. no, no. But at the same time, like, you know, um, like Depakote, for instance, 
that is a great medication. That can be a real hard thing to be on for some people. Mm -hmm. um, alcohol is a terrible idea. So it can be really hard. It can be harder on your liver. Um, it can be harder on your pancreas. Um, you need to have certain kind of like, not a huge diet restrictions of that one, but um, you know, you still gotta get your labs done and have your liver and, and metabolics checks again. It can mess with thrombocytopenia, which is, has to do with like blood counts and stuff and the things that we will just monitor for. Mm -hmm. um, but like when I mentioned them, sometimes like, oh, I don't wanna take that, I'm gonna get X, Y, yeah. and Z. And it's like, that's not necessarily true, but like we need to monitor for it to make sure we're not going that direction. A lot of times you'll catch everything long before it gets bad and you can change course. Or you're like, well, this is the only thing that's really working. How can we keep it working mm -hmm. and keep our keep ourselves rolling? How would you categorize that with um, it being an addictive medication? Because we'll get a lot of worry about medications being addictive or like if I just decide I don't want to take this anymore, they said I can't just stop. Like, so a lot of this fit in? I can't just stop thing, and I think we talked about it maybe a little bit as last time. Mm -hmm. Some of them, if you just stop, you're gonna feel terrible because you should step down the dose. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of medications, your body likes consistency. And if you've been taking something for a long time at a certain certain time, certain dose, if you're doing all those things that I would talked about before, like try and take it every day at the same time, trying to take it, you know, save those situations. Um, and you stop, your brain gets very mad mm -hmm. and it's very sensitive and it will get very mad at you. And when I say mad, I'm like, you could have a serious depressive episode, you could have suddenly like go into rapid cycling, uh, lots of things can happen. Um, and it's not that like it's a physical addiction, it's just like it's getting more comfortable. Like, a lot of them are gonna kill you if you stop. Like if you just stop taking lithium, physically speaking, your body just does what it's gonna do. Mm -hmm. um, you feel crappy, you don't like it, Stop Depakote all of a sudden, you're like, I haven't slept in three days. What the hell? Mm -hmm. And it's not that you're like sleep, not sleeping because you're in withdrawal. Their brain chemistry is now trying to figure out what it's going to do with itself, and it's going to revert back to things it was doing beforehand. Mm -hmm. So um, none of the things in the antidepressant category are what we call the fun drugs. Like, they're not terribly usually abusable, mm -hmm. because taking extra doesn't feel good. Mm -hmm. um, there are certain things as one in particular in like the antipsychotic family that people tend to really somehow like to snort does not sound fun to me but like people do it to get high um things in this category for the most part not they're not the fun ones um you're not going to get no, no one's going to sell in the street mm -hmm. um nobody's handing, handing out baggies of lithium i mean <laughs> you go to certain festivals i don't know but um but also, there's also dose-dependent things. Like with lithium, I I had I love love him to death. Had a had a very young roommate at one point who was like, "Yeah, I'm taking lithium now." And I was before nursing school, but still very concerned. I was like, "What do you mean?" And he was taking five milligrams of lithium a day. Now, therapeutic doses for lithium for an adult human, generally between 900, sometimes 16, I think 16, um, 18. But like it's up there in the range of how much you take per day. Five milligrams a day is I do have fun. Yeah, it's, what is that gonna do? That's like putting salt on your food. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, um at that point I didn't really have the language to tell him like, I have a very strong feeling this is not doing anything and maybe you just shouldn't smoke seven blunts a day. <laughs> He's like, No, 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 that's not the problem. I'm gonna do lithium, everything will be fine. Mm -hmm. I was like Okay. When you finish that novel you're working, you let me know. Um <laughs> But you know, like it's important to look at like the scope of things. Like mm -hmm. lithium is a naturally occurring 
element in the world. Mm -hmm. And we happen to find out that it really works in this situation. Um, again, nuances of brain science, we don't exactly know. Other ones, we know a lot more about how they work. Lithiums is like kind of like, we have a lot of, there's a bunch of different competing theories, and I'm not going to get into them, but like there's a bunch of different people. We have a good idea of how it's working. Mm -hmm. Not particularly why. Um, or like, you know, um, also with like lithium stuff, we're going to need to do labs because thyroid issue is a big, it's a big deal. Um, thyroid, also, someone having thyroid issues will look bipolar. Mm. So a lot of times there's labs we do at the beginning when someone's like telling me these things and I'm like, my brain, my, my, my clinical brain is like leaning like, so it's like very bipolar to me. Mm -hmm. Don't want to say that right now because I feel like that will be very upsetting for you, but we're going to do labs first. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of times we're starting somebody... A lot of times also um, with the bipolar brain chemistry, there's a lot of heredity to it. Mm -hmm. So when they're asking you about family history, mm -hmm. be as honest as possible. But also we know that a lot of people aren't getting diagnosed with these things, but you might have that really uncle who just kind of like was sometimes amazing and sometimes terrible and never really kept a job that long, but never got any treatment. Mm -hmm. And you know, all these things and people will look back and talking to someone and they're like, yeah, so like, after we talked more, I realized several of my family members probably would have a bipolar diagnosis. Yeah. Like, yeah, I was also wondering, but like, you know, when you first meet somebody, I, you know, I'm a stranger. I, I don't expect you to be completely honest, but like, you know, or people are like, I expect this person's bipolar and there's the TV version of bipolar because like, their mood is up and down really fast. I'm like, that's not usually what we see. What we usually see is like a broad, gradual change to like, oh, this is a new person. Mm -hmm. And then a week later, oh, this is a new person, mm -hmm. and then oh, we, this is another new person, and, um, you know, not like full personality change necessarily, but like scraping off the ceiling or off the floor. Yeah, yeah. Um, we talked about with SSRIs need, having a point where you might not need them anymore. Does that work here? Because with like a bipolar brain chemistry, that's a different type of thing than we were talking about with SSRIs. So, no. Um, it's different. Now, some people that are taking antidepressants have a depressive brain chemistry changes where they're going to be on antidepressants lifelong. Mm -hmm. Not a big deal. Um, with these, you're probably going to be on them lifelong. Now, again, this always this has to do with getting to that good combination for you. Also, you know, a lot of these meds you cannot get pregnant on. Your, mm -hmm. your baby will be born with a partially formed spinal cord, mm -hmm. and that's bad. That's it's bad. very bad. We don't like it. Um, they don't usually survive. It's very, it's like, and it's really traumatic for the person that gets pregnant, all that stuff. So like, again, there's, there's a lot of reasons to change our meds sometimes. Like I worked with someone who was like very stable on this one regimen was like, I've been doing this for 10 years. I don't want to mess with it. It is golden. I was like, cool. Like, but I'm also working on getting pregnant. I was like, we have yeah. to change it. And you know, like we are able to find a new regimen that they were stable on that they could have, they could get pregnant on, which was great. But that being said, you know, um, that also may not be an issue for a lot of people. And sometimes they're like, hey, I don't, I'm just, it's not part of my life plan. Mm -hmm. I'm not planning on it. Um, or I had some people like, so I just got pregnant, mm -hmm. fun story. And I was like, okay. And they're like, so, and you know, that's when we had that talk I'm like, is this something, are you gonna complete this pregnancy? Are we, is that, a, is that gonna, be functional for you, you know, mm -hmm. and sometimes they're like, um, no, and so it's not, it's no longer an issue. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes it's like, uh oh, well, now we've got to rechange things, and that's fine. Yeah. So you know, um, 
And it doesn't mean you can't go back to it. Like if you're on a regimen while you're pregnant or breastfeeding or whatever it is that you need to do, and it's not as great as what you were on, you when you're back. done, you can go back. Absolutely. And you know, lifelong, also like I said, lifelong, sometimes things, like again, things can change and brain chemistry has changed. Your brain now and your brain at 16, very different creatures. <laughs> um, we can all agree on that. Yes. Now, that being said, I had tried certain meds when I was like, you know, younger, mm-hmm. that I am almost like sometimes like, perhaps we should revisit that now. I've my brain chemistry is naturally changed. Doesn't stop. Doesn't stop. Brain's not fully formed till twenty five. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever else is the other things you've done to your brain chemistry for fun, anyways, mm-hmm. might have changed things. And so that's um, and that also is another thing that like with the moving target, um, substance use. Certain things like you know if you're somebody who really really likes their wine, maybe not even a problem, but like I don't want to be able to have a glass of wine every now and then. Certain meds. Let's go with this one then. Mm-hmm. Um, or, and sometimes people are like, I want to tell my provider that I want to drink wine. It's like, well, but also like, were you coming to see me about your drinking? Was that, has it like ever been an issue? Also with a lot of things we're working with this bipolar side brain, a lot of that, I really like to get family, um, whatever that means for the person involved because they're the ones that often will notice things before the person will. Oh, totally. And so it's really nice to have them involved because they've been like, got a call from someone who's like, I'm not telling on them, but hey, uh, they're manic again. I was like, cool, bring them in. They're like, yeah, I just I wanted to give you the heads up and they've already like signed consents so we can talk to each other. And you know, when you have more more people on your team, the better. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, like if you're getting older and things aren't working, change it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think having that, you know, we talk about this a lot in therapy is, what the conversations they have with you and the conversations they have with me are just practice. They're just like, okay, here's some tools, here's some ideas, and now you have to go out into the world and practice those and do those and apply those with your people. And it's not like you're gonna sit with us for an hour or half an hour and then everything is fine. You've yeah. gotta go do that and do it again and again and again and again and again for it to work. Right, and that's also another thing is like, you know, I've talked to like, there's a lot of stigma mm-hmm. about Ha- uh, like people that you know have bipolar disorder. I actually watched an amazing stand-up comic. It was all about bipolar last night. It was hilarious. Oh, um, I absolutely cannot remember. <laughs> um, Taylor something. I don't know. Okay. There's about there's multiple things. Where it was like, but it was also somebody's like talking about their experience mm-hmm. and all these things. And I was like, I was dying. There were mm-hmm. so many moments where I was just laughing because they're you know like I looked up my meds and. I had to ask her, do you think I'm bipolar? And they're like, oh yeah. <laughs> and it's like, but like also a lot of, sometimes it's very important to talk about someone's diagnosis, sometimes it's not. Mm-hmm. And it really is, depends on the person and how we're working and like, cause some people are like, hey, do you care mm-hmm. what I'm writing down? Mm-hmm. Cause it doesn't all, like, the actual diagnosis can really help us and in some ways can be limiting. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my conversations with people, like it, it, after someone for a while, I kind of get what their style is and what works for them, like, okay, cool. Do you want to talk about this in these terms? Some people love when I use like the very medicalese clinical mm-hmm. language, like when I use thing, I mean, talk about brain parts if you really want. Mm-hmm. Um, other people are like, I don't feel good. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel good in this way. And I'm like, let's talk about that. Or they're like, you know, I'm really having, it's just really individual. Yeah, totally. I mean, same in therapy, right? Like it's only a lot of what our crew will tell people is like, the diagnosis is only helpful if it's helpful. Like. If, and I've got a lot of uh, opinions about this too, I'm sure you do also, but having like 
gender dysphoria in the DSM is a whole thing. We won't get into that. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> we put it in there if somebody is trans or questioning or having any of those type of experiences because they need that diagnosis for later if they want to do any gender-affirming medical treatment. Exactly. And, and so I, then it's helpful, and that's why we do it. And yeah, and in that way, we're working within a system, and I have that conversation a lot with people where I'm like, hey, especially with that particular diagnosis, which I've worked with a lot, I'm like, hey, so I know you aren't technically upset about this, but the way our system works is you have to have a problem to get treatment mm -hmm. for it, which is stupid. However, you know, it's the same thing as like having a menstrual period is not technically an illness, but it sure needs help sometimes. Mm -hmm. And that's when, you know, like, or like, you know, someone is pregnant. It's not a disease. You are having a parasite. But like at the same time, like, like the way we treat it, we have to look at it as a problem because yeah. otherwise your insurance won't cut, won't pay for you not having a problem. Right. So, and like, you know, I talk about that with people like sometimes like, you really fall between these two things really well. So I'm gonna put them both down. I don't want you to get tripped out on the fact that I can write all these down, but also like if I write all these down, then we can get set X, Y, and Z covered. Yeah. Um, or, you know, like we talked about this, I think touched on a little bit last time, like someone's having like what we call psychotic experiences, mm -hmm. but it's really related to their trauma. Mm -hmm. But I'm gonna give you antipsychotic medication because you're having hallucinations. Now, do I think that you have a schizophrenia diagnosis? Now that's where the, that's where the fun part is. Mm -hmm. Like the insurance companies won't gonna want me to say that. I may not agree with it and be like, actually, I see it this way, but you know, in order to get you, you know, some, and, and that's a conversation I like to have with people, yeah. especially when I'm like, I feel a lot of paperwork and stuff for disabilities. I'm like, what are you comfortable with me writing down? Mm -hmm. And how, how, how honest do you want me to be? Because mm -hmm. everybody's very different about that. Like I think I talked before, like I have a diagnosis of ADHD. I'm very public about it, possibly to a fault. Um, but like, you know, it's something that I, it, I'm comfortable with. Mm -hmm. um, but also there's in situations where I don't disclose it. Mm -hmm. Like I don't, I don't always start that off. Yeah. Because um, well, there, there's stigma around it. Right, and it depends on the situation and who you're with, if it's even safe to. Because if you're in certain circles and you're like, oh, I have ADHD and it gets brought up, they're gonna dismiss you. And right. it's like, well, that's shitty. Like, I mean, I, yeah, I had somebody make a comment that was in graduate school, and they're like, well, someone with ADHD wouldn't be in this room because they couldn't do this level oh of work. God. And I was just like, uh, there was, uh, I wish there had been a camera room for that one, because it's great, because I was just like, <laughs> what? But also, but that was also a really big, hopefully, learning experience for mm -hmm. this person, where I'm like, this is a real thing, and it is a serious disability. Mm -hmm. Does it mean you're not functional? No, because I'm on my medication. I It will still take me at least twice as long as you to sit down and write this paper because I have to do 900 other things as well as the paper. Mm -hmm. But now that I'm taking medication, it doesn't take me three times as long. And so, you know, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it's, it's really where you do and do not choose to disclose on that, but also like the diagnosis in those cases is like helpful for your provider and you, but maybe not everybody. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of stigma out there about like bipolar, manic depressive, yeah. and it really prohibits a lot of people from accessing care. Because there's also what we call what's called bipolar two. Mm -hmm. you know, we talk about diagnosis much on this, but like bipolar two, we call I, I refer to as bipolar light. Mm -hmm. But it's like it's bipolar, just not as extreme as bipolar one. Yeah. And sometimes people literally just need a little bit of Abilify, mm -hmm. and they're golden. Mm -hmm. That is awesome when that happens and then it's like oh mm -hmm. 
whoa, this feels great. And it's not like they're like feeling manic. Mm -hmm. They're like, I went to bed last night and I went to bed the night before that mm -hmm. and the night before that. Uh, yeah, this yeah. is fantastic. Yeah, I mean, we we can get in a whole stigma thing, but I th really appreciate the way that you're talking about it is it's like a bipolar chemistry. It's a lot of these diagnoses and a lot of these symptoms are just your chemistry that you're born with and it's it's whatever. It's just what you're working happen. with, right? Like I'm never going to run a marathon. That's not in my that's not in my chemistry. I don't feel bad about that, but that has about as much stigma as having a bipolar um, chemistry. They're just it's just chemistry it doesn't matter yeah and also you know if you're actively working on it that's very different than mm -hmm. someone who is not mm -hmm. and there are people out there that have like chosen to not do medication and have a bipolar brain chemistry and that is their choice and that is fine i may not want to interact with you mm -hmm. as a person i'm just going to be like you know this could be a lot easier on everybody involved yeah um yeah just be i had a boss um that we worked with a long time ago mm -hmm. anita who said something very funny? Um, I'm gonna hopefully, hopefully I don't push her. She's like, just because you have a mental health diagnosis does not mean you have permission to be an asshole. Yes. You still need to be a nice person in the world and treat people res with respect. I've, I've had multiple uh, therapists come to me and be like, this person needs meds. This person needs some like, and I have to be like, there is unfortunately no pill for asshole. Mm -mm. Um, uh, there's no pill for being an asshole, and uh, that is what we're doing here. So <laughs> that's but like also the other time that's when we're like talking about this is personality disorder. Um, have you noticed that the common thread between all these things is there's only one thing that's common, and it happens to be you, mm -hmm. um, which is a hard pill to swallow. Yeah, no pun intended. But like like that's yeah. just <laughs> like it. but um, you know. Um, it's an evolving conversation every time. So, so what? What do you think, if anything, that we're missing about mood stabilizers, or you want to mention, or like a tidbit for somebody to take into their provider? Um, I would definitely have a have a have a clear conversation with the provider about like what, I, and I'm gonna come back to this over and over again: risk versus benefit. What could I gain? What will I lose? Um, you know, like I said, like, okay, so lithium's gonna work for you. Are you somebody who has a very, let's say, may, like, um, I work with someone who is like, they did like very mega to long distance backpacking, mm -hmm. and lithium worked really well for them. It was never gonna be a consistent med for them because they couldn't take it on these mm. overnight backpacking trips, also on an overnight backpacking trip. You're likely to cause a manic episode if you force yourself to stay awake for X number of hours and you have this brain chemistry, you are likely to continue to be awake for until someone can help you get, come back down, yeah. um, which is dangerous. But that just meant that we did different meds mm -hmm. that were like, okay, so you know, we know that we're gonna go off our meds for three days for this reason. Everybody involved is aware that as soon as this is done, we're going back and you, know, you make contingency plans. Mm -hmm. So, um, great. I yeah. love that. Yeah, the risk versus the benefit because there's it's there's huge, always going to be both. There's it, there's there's no get out of jail free card, but at the same time you can pick w what will you will like like dating. What will you put up with? <laughs> <laughs> like I cannot do that. But uh, but this is fine for me. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, I'm gonna start calling it dating. Yeah, for med medical dating. Yeah. It's like, mm, did we break up? <laughs> mm, we did. We got back together. It was a little rough for a minute. We had to talk it out. But um, I think we've all done that with our meds. Like, like, oh no, no, never seeing you again. Okay, okay. Yeah, I, I do. I, 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 I really miss those long walks without the voices. Um, <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here. This is always so helpful. I know. I always learn so much, um, even though I've been doing this for over a decade, so thank you. Mm -hmm. To end, what, how we've been ending is, what is a moment in the last week or two where you really felt connected to your queer community? Um, I'm gonna go a little past week or two, but uh, I mean, it was just Halloween. It's my favorite holiday of all time, all the time. Um, uh, yeah, no, I just had a really lovely, um, several days in a row of just being around. I had like chosen family and looking ridiculous as I like to do. Um, and it was just really nice to just kind of like come home and be like, all right, I got to go out in ridiculous in my dress and heels and my beard and be around all these people that I absolutely love and get home safely. And it's just, I mean, it's the joy of Halloween, it's, you know, perfect. be who you're not yes. or are. Or, or the other you. Yes. Yes. Uh, there's nothing like gay Christmas. Oh, God, it's the best. Cool. Um, well, thank you so much. If you have any questions for Mikey, you can email us at info at openspacetherapycollective.com, and we'll pass those on to him. Um, you can follow us on Instagram, TikTok, at openspacetherapy, or my therapist is out. And we will have Mikey back uh, probably in a couple months to talk about the next thing. So if there's something you want to hear about, let us know, and we will talk about that med or that diagnosis. Yeah, if there is a topic that um, we would like to be covered, that would be really helpful for us. Mm -hmm. um, it's just down to answer it, and we'll see what you want to know. Cool. All right. Thanks. Bye, y'all. Thanks for joining us. If you're in California and looking for a therapist, visit our website at openspacetherapycollective.com and book a free intro call with one of our therapists. If you're enjoying My Therapist Is Out, please rate, review, and follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. My Therapist Is Out is an Open Space Therapy Collective podcast. Our therapists are Renee Johnson, Kristen Crow, Debbie White, Jenny Nigro, and Tara Friedman. Our podcast editing is done by Smash and Grab Studio. We'd love to hear from you about today's topic, so you can email us at info at openspacetherapycollective.com. You can find us on TikTok and Instagram at My Therapist Is Out and Open Space Therapy Collective. Thanks for listening.